Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the homeboys in the homeboys podcast where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got a very exciting topic. We are talking about evolving or dying when it comes to real estate investing. Yeah, we're going to cover how market changes happen and why you should not be asleep at the wheel. We're also going to talk about why we're not saying you should throw a thousand things against the wall and just see what sticks. This is about being purposeful, but still evolving. And then we're going to share why we are currently going through a big evolution in the focus of our real estate investing. This topic got me thinking, man. You know, I, this happens a lot on our podcast that, you know, what happens is when you have a, a 20 you know plus year you know, real estate career, the craziest things have you going down memory lane, you know, and, you know, talking about evolving or dying, you know, got me thinking about, um, you know, my real estate career and how it started out and, you know, where we're at now and like how important it is to not have your feet in concrete around one single investment right. idea. Yeah, this is a weird, this is a balance that's kind of hard to explain that people need to have where you need to be focused in real estate. You need to be uh, really good at what you do and repeat it, especially for the long-term hold investors. It's usually about buying a product and continuing to buy that product that works. But at the same time, like you said, it, you cannot be your feet in concrete on that type of product or your system that you're using to buy that because these things come and go. And I think your career is a really good example. I don't want to uh, waste it, not waste, but spend a bunch of time uh, diving into you don't our want to waste careers. a bunch of time talking about me, <laughs> talking about that. our careers. <laughs> but at the same time, I think if we briefly kind of summarized the way that we've evolved, it's helpful for people to see that it isn't just that we got bored and changed. It's the market changed. And, and one of the things that I think you and I have been good at is always being willing to adapt as the market changes. Now, one of, one of them was pretty quick, the 2008 change for you, for you in particular, but we both started out doing, I started out doing the Burr method. You started out doing flips and then you evolved to rentals. I evolved from the Burr method to long-term holds and getting out of uh, kind of those cheap properties. So I evolved into a, a bigger, pro a bigger, nicer product. You evolved to the buy and hold. You know, we've just evolved as the market changed. Oh, I think it's important to note. Like, had I not switched my, um, you know, investment style through the Great Recession, you know, I would have been bankrupt. Right. You know, I wouldn't have made it through it. I was only flipping houses. That's all I was doing. And I had some clients that were doing the same thing. I was representing them through the, throughout the process and our for sale signs were just collecting dust mm -hmm. and we couldn't sell anything. I mean, I think everyone, you go back and look at, you know, the market in 08, 09, 2010, you know, it was exceptionally challenging to sell anything, which I know it's hard to imagine right now because the market's been on fire, um, which bodes more to our point of evolving or dying. But you know, our for sale signs got switched out with for rent signs and had that not happened, 
you know, I'd have been living in your basement. Right. And that's a pretty shocking change that happened. But there's also other changes that I want to share that can kind of highlight how even gradual change, you have to be ready to, to make changes, which is when we started selling our clients turnkey properties about 15 years ago, um, we were able to sell them uh, what we call in this market vinyl villages. So homes built in the early 2000s um, that are real simple, basic entry-level houses that made made great investment uh, rental properties and those dried up the banks came in i shouldn't say the banks the hedge funds came in and gobbled them all up and those went away and so we had to adapt and move into kind of a more suburban product a lot of brick ranches and and pretty steady houses built in the 80s and the 70s because those had great returns tenants stayed longer out in the suburbs but now those are going away too they're drying up i hate hedge funds i know I know. Anytime you say that, it just sends me it, to, yeah. it sends me down memory lane well, in a bad way. People don't understand the difference between hedge funds and small mom and pop investors, and and I I can't remember the stat, but I believe it's like eighty percent of rental homes in the country are owned by an individual owner. So mm-hmm. you know, a family that has one rental property. Maybe it was their first house that they didn't sell. They just turned into a rental, and the hedge funds in these large landlords give these smaller landlords a really bad name and it's a shame because a lot of the landlords like the folks that we represent and work with they believe in compassionate landlording which is a which is a concept that actually does work you know you're a big proponent of it you you've been a proponent of it before it was cool to be a a compassionate landlord where it can be a win-win for the tenant and for the owner of the property it's hard to understand that that's a a possibility for some folks who just hate landlords but there are landlords that it's a win-win for the tenant and for the landlord if it's done right there's a lot of people that hate landlords my friend right it's right it's amazing to see some of the comments that come through on everything and i don't know i I could that's a totally different topic and I just think there's a a lot of crybabies out there that don't uh, want to see anyone else succeed or work hard to be able to, to to do that. But you know, if we didn't have landlords and everything was government housing, I can assure you that things would would be much worse. Yes, they would, would be much worse. And people don't understand that um, you don't have to be ultra rich or even rich at all to be a landlord. They think of landlords as the the rich people. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not the case. Normal everyday people like us who started with literally nothing can become landlords very easily. And you should encourage people to succeed like that and not, not hate on them in my opinion. But um, you know, again, we go back to the changes that have happened in our market and the way that we've gone with them. If you try to fight the market, you will lose every time. So you have to go with it. You have to be willing to change a little bit. Now you don't have to throw your model your model completely out unless 2008 happens mm-hmm. and Clint had to throw his mm-hmm. business model out the window, right? which is fair. But typically you just have to evolve it a little bit and not be stuck in concrete. I think people, you know, have to uh, really look at, we live in a society where people are either all in or all out, you know, and people will continue to be all in on something for way too long. And then, that causes a shift for then people to be, to be all out. You know, it's, it's, it's about, uh, you know, analyzing and, and not, you know, being one of the last people to get in. One, one, one area that I think it's very easy to, um, 
to talk about. And everyone's got mixed opinions on it. You and I could even have mixed opinions on it is, you know, Airbnb. You know, everyone, that's been the sexy thing. You know, I, I, I watch my TikTok feed or Instagram. You know, there's all kinds of people in there talking about Airbnbs, and this is the this is the future. You know, I believe that you're getting to the point of saturation on the Airbnb, you know, model. In, know, in many markets. In many markets. Yeah. yeah, and there's, you know, not to just bash on Airbnb, but that the no, there's I'm some here to, I'm here to bash on Airbnb. Yeah. That's, well, there's that's some, what I'm here to do. There's some risks. It, I'm totally joking. No, but there's some but, significant mm-hmm. risks with it that are that are much it's much more risky than traditional uh cash flow investing in long-term rentals. Much more risky. You have the risk the risk of municipalities banning your your um short-term rentals and mm-hmm. you have all these properties that suddenly flood the market and it crashes. There's a million risks. You get saturation where now your your place like uh, Palm City, California, where their you know, Airbnbs are, are literally renting. They're lucky to have five days of rental a year because mm-hmm. they got saturated. So there's a lot of risks with those. Oh, I say that because I'm a customer. Right. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a huge Airbnb Me too. guy. Like, you know, but um, we live in central Indiana, you know, a popular place for my wife and I have young kids, four and six year old daughters is to go to uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee mm-hmm. or Pigeon Forge. And we've been doing it for years. Ever since the kids you know, were born, we started, we started going there. We really like it. There's a lot to do. It's a really fun area. I was wearing my Gatlinburg shirt yesterday. That's I, right. That's I, right. I take my kids to Gatlinburg too. Right. Love Gatlinburg. Yeah. But you know, I, I'm booking a trip to Gatlinburg relatively often. You know, and you go back three years ago, call it two years ago, somewhere in that it was so hard to find anything. I couldn't find anything. Like you had, I had to settle for stuff that wasn't really, um, I don't know, kind of below average, you know, not really that nice, not a view. You know, the house was old and dated because I would, you know, not get it early enough. I was just on there a few weeks ago. It's saturated. Yeah. I mean, you can have your pick, yeah. you know, of what you want to stay in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee now. Well, all the building that was going on over these years when you and I've been there, you mm-hmm. look up the mountain and there's always a handful it's of everywhere. construction. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those was an Airbnb being built. Right. You know, and so that, that happens. But again, you can stick with one thing though, really, which is like a long-term rental plan, right? And then you evolve that based on the market. So it's not necessarily about you know, throwing, th- you know, the baby out with bathwater. The problem with Airbnbs in particular is that you're kind of locked into that. They don't always make great long-term rentals. Oh, if you try to turn, you know, with the price that you're buying one of those cabins up in the, up in the Smoky Mountains for, you know, if you had it as a, as a yearly, you know, rental that you paid every month, right. you know, um, on, I mean, you're, you would be such negative cash flow. Right. I mean, what you, you know, you're going to rent it out for 3000 you know, a, a month, mm-hmm. you know, and your expenses are five, right. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it doesn't, they don't work, you know, as, as long-term rentals. Yeah. So you're limited then, you know, on those, but you know, at the, at the core of what we are is we're long-term cash flow investors. And so for it's us, it's not as sexy. It's not, but a lot less risk, you know, most of our clients and hopefully our listeners too, um, understand that the play to make in real estate, there's one thing that doesn't change and it's to be a long-term cash flow investor. What changes is how you go about doing that, how you acquire the properties, what types of properties, 
And, and so you can stick with the one thing, which is buying long-term cash flow and uh, properties that your tenant pays the mortgage off for you that appreciate over time and will make you wealth that is generational, generational type wealth. The question becomes, what is the product you're investing in? Because you can't just say, well, I'm a long-term cash flow investor and I'm going to buy only houses in this city that have four bedroom, two bath, and were built between 1990 and 2000. The reason you can't do that is because those markets change. The price of entry for that product can become, the returns are not worth it. So you have to evolve with where are the best returns in a good product, but you still stick with good products in good areas, but you change. And we're going through a change right now. We are going through a change. And I'm glad you said that because I was, uh, I wanted to segue into it. We've had a lot of discussions over the last couple of days with some of the houses, uh, you know, that, that, that we buy, you've already spoke about, um, you know, 10 to 12 years ago, we were buying properties that were relatively new in these vinyl village, mm-hmm. you know, neighborhoods. And back then, I mean, we were remodeling these places for 6,000, you know, 6,000 bucks, you know, it was just needed very little. Um, that has now transitioned flash fast forward, you know, a decade. The remodels that we are going through on single family homes now are approaching 75, 80 grand because the only thing we can find is something that needs massive, massive work. And why is that? The owner-occupant market has been absolutely on fire for the last five years. So whenever you're a real estate investor and you're getting in the market and you're, you're in a bidding war against someone that's going to live in that home, you're going to lose that most of the time. You know, they're, 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 they have the ability to get in for a lot more than what the real estate investors, you know, can, can get in. So that takes out those lightly, um, you know, uh, easier, you know, easier remodel, you know, homes to remodel. It takes, it takes those out. And yeah, these rehabs are substantial and it's so many more moving parts, so much more money, so many things that, uh, that could go wrong. You know, we do a lot of new product, you know, new builds, you know, also, and I told you like, man, I'm, yeah, we make money on the single family on the single family stuff, and the ones we've kept as rentals have done have have still done very well. Yeah, for and us. our clients love them, but like, man, it's just so much more stinking work. Yep, like it's 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 the level of frustration that you know we us and our team has to go through. And, you know, that's part of us evolving or dying. Is you know there wasn't any more homes available like we like to like to like to remodel. Now we've got these giant remodels and you know, it's worked, but now we're to the point like where it's just like, man, it's too much work. Yeah. And so we already were evolving because we're students of the market and we know not to have our feet in concrete. So we've had about two years of hard work we've put into buying land, rezoning land, getting architect builds, getting, um, you know, working with civil engineers on different plots that we've purchased to get these new build projects up and going. And we're able to, because we um, have been able to spend two years of runway, making sure we get it right and get the best cash flow numbers. We've been able to figure out a product that for nearly the same price and get you as good or better returns than existing single family homes for brand new builds, multifamily. Now we, we, 
we really did focus on a weird niche. I shouldn't say weird, but a little niche that's overlooked in the market in order to really get the highest cash flow and to make sure that we're in a product that is going to be a class with a class tenants and have lots of demand. And we did that by going to what this is a fancy word, but tertiary markets. So smaller markets that are overlooked by these giant builders and by the big money. And what we did is we went into these markets that are underserved, have a major housing crisis. We're talking major housing crises where they need rental homes. They want rental homes, not just homes for sale, but rental homes. And nobody's building them. Nobody is. And so we came into these markets, markets like Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's the uh, second largest city in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Markets like Evansville, Indiana, the third largest city in the state of Indiana. And we bought land and we've spent two years getting everything lined up and finally breaking ground and starting to build all these beautiful brand new build townhomes, duplexes, and getting our clients cash flow that is stronger than even that headache world of single family. And we love them. It's so much fun too. We have to to really speak to our our audience on some of this because, you know, our analytics, you know, we've got we've got a lot of people in California that listen to our show um, in Texas. Um there's a lot of people that live out there that don't understand, you know, that you can invest, you know, in other places in the country that the real estate's not like it is in the mm-hmm. Bay area, for example, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, of California at these tertiary markets, you know, we, we, we see the feedback that we get on social media of like, Oh, you can't buy a, a, a rental house for 150, you know, thousand dollars. I mean, who could do that? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, owner occupants and, um, you know, people that are getting, we just talked about your daughter not too long ago. She just graduated, you know, from college and, you know, encouraging her to, to buy, you know, her first house. And, um, I think that we had something that said, oh yeah, you know, for five to $10,000 down payment, uh, you know, she can get into her first house and the comments like, yeah, right. Where can you get, uh, you know, a house for five to $10,000 down payment. Well, you can get it here. You know, you can get FHA mortgage 3% down and, and we're not talking about a bad house. We're talking about, you know, a great, you know, first home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, tell a lot of the people that are listening like, Oh, well, that's owner occupant. That's different. It is different, but the, but the price point of the home exists and it's not just here. There's, there's other places, you know, across the country, get out of your own way. Stop saying that you can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. You can't do this. Well, we've been doing it for over 40 years combined and it's possible, but so many people won't get out of their own way because of the area that they live in. You can do it in other places. It's possible. We've lived it, breathed it, slept everything uh, with this type of model. And we encourage everybody to do it. Quit making excuses and start moving forward. That's a, it's great advice. It's, it's the advice that really brought you and I together when we were young men that neither of us had any money or really any knowledge, to be honest. And we just went out and did this. We went out and did it. And we have clients. People don't understand, I don't think, what our typical client is. These are not the ultra wealthy. You can just be a teacher. And there's turnkey providers all across the country that have properties, good properties for you, even some new builds for under $200,000 a door. So duplexes at 400,000, 
we're probably the lowest in the nation for the duplexes, but you can get great investment properties still at amazing prices, which is what's so amazing about these new builds is we're, we're still, that's why we're so excited about them is we're able to do these at these entry points that make it affordable for anyone to be an investor. Literally anyone, you don't have to be rich. The down pay, you, you don't even have to qualify with the income you have. These, these mortgage companies now use the rental income from that property to help qualify you. So it's easier than people realize to buy a duplex. Pick up the phone, call a turnkey provider, become a real estate investor. It's so much easier than you think. I think the thing that pisses me off about uh, people saying I can't more than anything. I mean, it's basically where we came from. Um, I remember when I still had a day job, you know, I was a sales rep. And I had started buying foreclosures and I was fixing them up on the side myself. You know, um, my mom asked me, you know, my mom and dad asked me what uh, I wanted for my birthday one year. Is there anything that you need? You know, and I asked for a, for a paint sprayer. Yeah. And it was because I was painting all these, all these houses. And you know what? I didn't know the first thing about using a freaking paint sprayer. I didn't know the first thing about, um, you know, the way the finances worked with, with uh, with real estate investing and all that but i wasn't out there saying i can't do something no you, know? you were using um, your credit cards to buy the paint correct. and then a paint sprayer that you got for your birthday to do this while driving a cheap ford escort that probably cost you five grand going driving around and doing this stuff right. and but then people say oh well, i'd rather i'd rather not make any money and um you know enjoy life I can guarantee you <laughs> that I have had much more life enjoyment than 99.9, if not 100% of the people saying, oh, I would rather enjoy life than, than go through the school of hard knocks like you did. I'm picturing, so a photo, I'm picturing a photo montage of you in like Tahiti and, and like the you know, Bahamas and the Caribbean and all the traveling you've done and in San Francisco and all the life you've lived and in Vegas and, you know, and at the, uh, what's the hotel in San Francisco that's so nice? Fairmont. At the Fairmont, staying there with your family. Like I'm Seven just, times to Disney yeah. in five years. Right. You know, it's yeah. like. Like oh, but I, I'm not enjoying life because I'm 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 working all the time. It's the biggest bunch of garbage right. I've ever heard in my life. Well, I think most of our listeners aren't that way though. Our, our listeners, the people who listen, are people that are doers a lot. We, we feel like mm-hmm. I feel like the comments that we see are the people that just sitting on the sidelines crying about why they're not in the game. You know, it used to it, you know, and I get a little worked up talking about it, but I really don't get as pissed off as I used to anymore. Um, I really feel sorry for a lot of people out there. I know. There. I know. They're their own worst enemy. It's like, my gosh. Yeah. They decide I mean, that they can't do it because it's unfair, and so they don't try. Correct. You know, the power of the human will, you know, and I know it resonates with both of us. I think that's why we're both big Rocky Balboa fans. You know, it's like, you know, you get overcome, you know, so much. And it's not that difficult. I mean, you know, we put a plan together, stick to it. It's, I always say it's amazing what... Um, 10 years of good real estate decisions will, will do for you. And then you people say, oh, my gosh, 10 years. It goes by real fast. I've got it a great Rocky story fast. for you, by the way. It happened last night. So I called my daughter at uh, 1130. She was over at her dad's last night. I called her at 1130, and uh, she had gotten her first night off of her summer job. You know, she's out of college mm-hmm. for the summer. And I said, how, how was your you know, first, first day of work. And she said, well, 
it was good. And I said, do you get tipped out? She's a hostess at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I said, do the waiters tip you out? She said, I don't know. She said, and I also found out that the other hostesses all make different amounts of money. And I said, well, yeah. And she said, well, I didn't know that I could ask for more money when you get a job. And I, I immediately quoted her Rocky, know what you're worth and go out and get what you're worth. Mm -hmm. You know, immediately quoted her Rocky and you know, I said, you were your worst, your own worst enemy there. You didn't even ask for more. And she said, well, you know, what I'm making feels like a lot of money to me. And I said, do you think you're worth that amount or more? And she said, uh, probably a couple of dollars more. I said, well, you didn't ask for what you're worth. Mm -hmm. Go out and get what you're worth. Stop making excuses. Yeah. Looking for people to blame. Correct. Pointing fingers. Right. She's a smart kid. I mean, she she's, is. You know, yeah. it, there's a lot, there's a, there's a very valuable lesson in the fact that she, you know, she realized that and that, you know, I mean, she's had to, to work. Um, this hostess job to be able to figure that out. Right. I mean, I mean, I, we, we go out, to, I go out to eat way too much, Yeah, you know, yeah. way too much, you know, and people <laughs> that have been do. listeners of the show for a while have, have, have recognized that I'm a little bit more portly than I was a couple of years ago. <laughs> portly. <laughs> you know? portly. Oh, God. But anyhow, like I had my shirt know? off before we started filming here, yeah, by the way, in like this a, room, like a it's hot sweater, in there. Yeah. And, it's, <laughs> and like, I, I saw myself in the camera and I almost threw up. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, the struggle's real. Yeah. But anyhow, you know, you see these in the restaurant business, they're struggling so much for employees. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's so challenging to, you know. And what, oh, I told her that. I said, you don't understand the, the value of just being responsible. You don't have to have any knowledge. You don't have to be good at anything. Just being responsible is, in, in, is worth a lot of money right now. Somebody who shows up to work and does what their job is. They don't even have to care or be great at it. If you show up and are responsible and leave when you're supposed to and keep a clean work area, whatever you're doing, that's incredibly valuable right now. Oh yeah. People, I mean, you've got a leg up on everybody with as right. lazy as this society is, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's strange times. There's a job for every man, woman, and child basically in the country. You know, there's unemployment's never, we've never seen numbers like this. And it's something it's a, it's a wild time. But anyway, we have talked about, Three really important things with real estate that, that people need to always keep in mind, which is evolve or die. We'll always be evolving. Second, you don't have to switch up the entire thing you're doing, but you can stick to kind of your model, but just be ready to evolve within that. And then third, we went over what we're doing and why we're currently evolving into new builds and multifamily. It's where the money is. It's fun. They're beautiful, beautiful properties. You should dive into that. The water is warm. We're loving it. And we hope a lot of our clients love it too. And whether it's with us or somewhere else, it doesn't matter. We believe in it. There's, there's uh, providers in San Antonio is one that I've heard recently that's mm -hmm. doing a lot of multifamily new builds. There's uh, Jacksonville, Florida. They're doing multifamily new yep. builds. Cape Coral, there's, they're all over the country at reasonable prices. There's no reason you can't do it. You don't have to be a multimillionaire to make this happen. All you need to do is pick up the phone, call one of the mortgage brokers. On our website, we've got a list of great mortgage brokers that specialize in-, in Homeboyspodcast.com. We've got on homeboyspodcast.com, we've got a great list of lenders. All you got to do is pick up the phone, literally call them. You'll be, I think, really surprised how easy it is for you to qualify. Then you can go out and find a turnkey provider anywhere in the country. Dive in with us. I think you'd always need to be a student of real estate investing. If you're going to be in real estate investing, be a student of it. I'm always a student of it because I like it. Scotty knows when I'm at home, 
and I'm watching uh, IU play a Big Ten basketball game, I've got my laptop in my lap, just kind of scrolling through commercial real estate listings, residential real estate listings. I'm always a student of it. Why would you not be? If you're not going to be serious about it, then you know, go do something else. You know, so always be a student of it. It's not that hard to pick up uh, the phone or even you know email a mortgage broker and say, hey, I'm interested. Help me out. That's right. That's step one. And then finding a turnkey broker is next. So come on in if you haven't. The water's warm. Have some fun with us. And keep in mind also, I just want to plug our TikTok right now, just because in the last come on. few days, come on, it's been amazing. We've gotten like 10 million views combined on all these different videos. I mean, we've we put some unique it's content. It's fun to talk about because we believe in it. Yeah. I mean, it's legit. We're not spewing a bunch of guru type uh, type yeah. BS that I call it. I think it's real sound real estate advice. We believe in it. And so preach on. Yeah, it's fun. It's unique too. It's stuff that isn't covered on this podcast. So if you're a listener and you really enjoy this podcast, go to our TikTok page at the Homeboys Podcast and check us out there. I think you'll have some fun with uh, the videos that we do there. We love doing those short videos. We love doing this podcast. We love all of our listeners. We thank you for tuning in this week. Till next time, homies. Happy investing.